Chapter 2, Part 2, The Medium of Circulation, of a Contribution to the Critique of Political Economy by Karl Marx. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Traven Leroy, Ottawa, Canada. After the commodity has received in the process of price determination the form in which it becomes capable of circulation, and after gold has acquired the character of money in the same process, circulation will both present and solve the contradictions which are inherent in the process of exchange of commodities. The actual exchange of commodities, i.e. the social interchange of matter, consists of a change of form in which is unfolded the double character of the commodity as use value and exchange value, and at the same time its own change of form is crystallized in distinct forms of money. To describe this change of form is to describe circulation. As we have seen, given a world of commodities, and with it a system of division of labor, commodity is but a developed form of exchange value. In the same manner, circulation implies a steady stream of exchange transactions which are being continually renewed on all sides. The second assumption we make is that commodities enter the process of exchange with a definite price, or that they appear to each other in that process in a double capacity, really as use values, ideally in price, as exchange values. The liveliest streets of London are crowded with stores whose show windows are filled with the riches of the world, Indian shawls, American revolvers, Chinese porcelain, Parisian corsets, Russian furs, and tropical spices. But all of these things of joy bear fatal white labels marked with Arabian figures with the laconic characters pound, shilling, pence. Such is the picture of the commodity appearing in circulation. Part A. The Metamorphosis of Commodities On close examination, the process of circulation is seen to consist of two distinct cycles. If we denote commodity by the letter C and money by the letter M, we can express these two forms as follows. C, M, C, M, C, M. In this chapter, we are interested exclusively in the first form, i.e. in the form which serves as the direct expression of the circulation of commodities. The process C to M to C consists of the movement C to M, the exchange of the commodity for money, or selling. The opposite movement, M to C, exchange of money for a commodity, or buying, and the unity of the two movements, C to M to C. Exchange of the commodity for money in order to exchange the money for a commodity, or selling in order to buy. But the result which marks the end of the process is C to C, exchange of commodity for commodity, real interchange of matter. If we look at it from the extreme end of the first commodity, C to M to C represents its transformation into gold and its retransformation from gold into a commodity, a movement in which the commodity exists first as a particular use value, then divests itself of that character, acquires the character of exchange value or universal equivalent, in which capacity it has nothing in common with its natural form, then throws off the last form as well, to remain finally an actual use value for the satisfaction of particular wants. In this last form, it falls out of the sphere of circulation into that of consumption. 
The entire process of circulation C to M to C thus includes the combined series of metamorphoses, which every single commodity undergoes in order to become a direct use value to its possessor. The first metamorphosis is accomplished in the first phase of the circulation process, C to M, the second in the last phase, M to C, and the entire process constitutes the curriculum vitae of the commodity. But the process C to M to C represents the combined metamorphoses in a of a single commodity and constitutes at the same time the sum certain one-sided metamorphoses of other commodities. Since every metamorphosis of the first commodity constitutes its transformation into another commodity and therefore the transformation of the other commodity into it, hence it constitutes a twofold transformation which takes place at the same stage of circulation. We must then consider separately each of the two processes of exchange into which circulation C to M to C breaks up. C to M or sale. Commodity C enters the process of circulation not only as a particular use value, for example a ton of iron, but as a use value of a certain price, say £3, 17 shilling, 10 and a half pence, or an ounce of gold. While this price is on the one hand the exponent of the quantity of labor time contained in a ton of iron, i.e. of the magnitude of its value, it at the same time expresses the pious wish of the iron to become gold, i.e. to give to the labor time it contains the aspect of universal social labor time. Unless this transubstantiation takes place, the ton of iron not only ceases to be a commodity, but even a product, for it is a commodity only because it is a non-use value to its owner. That is to say, his labor counts as actual labor only insofar as it is labor useful to others, and the thing is useful to him only as abstract universal labor. It is therefore the business of iron, or of its owner, to find that point in the world of commodities where iron attracts gold. But this difficulty, the salto mortale of the commodity, is overcome when the sale actually takes place, as is assumed here on the analysis of simple circulation. When the ton of iron is realized as a use value through its alienation, i.e. by passing from the hands in which it is a non-use value to hands in which it is a use value, it, is the s it at the same time realizes its price and from mere imaginary gold it becomes real gold. In place of the name one ounce of gold or three pound seventeen shilling ten and a half pence, an ounce of real gold has appeared, but the ton of iron has cleared that place. Not only does the commodity, which in its price has been ideally converted into gold, actually turn into gold through the sale, C to M, but gold, which as a measure of value, has been only ideal money, and in fact figured merely as a money name of commodities, is now turned into actual money by the same process. Footnote, quote, Money is of two kinds, ideal and real, and is adapted to two different uses to determine the value of things and to buy them. For the purpose of valuation, ideal money is as good as real and perhaps even better. The other use of money is to buy the same things which it appraises. Prices and contracts are determined in ideal money 
and are executed in real money. End of quote. Galliani, page 112. End of footnote. Just as gold became the ideal universal equivalent because all commodities measured their value by it, so does it now become the absolute alienable commodity, real money, because it is the product of the universal alienation of commodities for it, and the sale, C to M, is the process by means of which that universal alienation takes place. But gold becomes real money only through sale, because the exchange values of commodities were already ideal gold in their prices. In the sale C to M, as well as in the purchase M to C, two commodities, entities of exchange value and use value, confront each other, but the exchange value of the commodity exists only ideally as price. While as regards gold, although it is really a use value, its use value is confined only in its being the bearer of exchange value and is, therefore, merely a formal use value having no relation to a real individual want. The antithesis of use value and exchange value is thus distributed at the two extreme poles of C to M, so that the commodity confronts gold as a use value which has yet to realize in gold its exchange value or its price, while gold confronts the commodity as an exchange value whose formal use value is yet to be realized in the commodity. Only through this duplication of the commodity as commodity and gold, and, further, through the twofold and polar relation by virtue of which each extreme represents, but ideally, what its opposite is in reality, and, and it is in reality what its opposite is only ideally. In short, only through the appearance of commodities as two-sided polar opposites are the contradictions solved that are inherent in the process of exchange. So far we have considered C to M as sale, as the conversion of commodity into money. But if we look at it from the other end, the same process will assume the form M to C, or purchase, i.e. the conversion of money into commodity. Sale is necessarily its opposite at the same time. It is the former if we look at the process from one end and the latter if we regard the process from the other end. In practice, this process differs only in that the initiative in C to M originates at the commodity end or with the seller, while in M to C it comes from the money end or the buyer. In describing the first metamorphosis of the commodity, its conversion into money as a result of the completion of the first phase of circulation C to M, we assume at the same time that another commodity has been converted into money and is now in its second phase of circulation, M to C. Thus we get into a vicious circle of assumptions. Circulation itself constitutes such a vicious circle. If we do not consider M in M to C as a result of a metamorphosis of another commodity, we would thereby take exchange out of the process of circulation. But outside of the latter, the form C to M disappears and only two different C's confront each other, say iron and gold, the exchange of which does not constitute a part of the process of circulation, being direct barter. Gold at the source of its production is a commodity like any other commodity. Its relative value and that of iron 
or of any other commodity is expressed here in quantities in which they are mutually exchanged. But in the process of circulation, this operation is implied. The value of gold being already given in the price of commodities. Nothing can, therefore, be more erroneous than the idea that gold and commodity enter into the relation of direct barter within the process of circulation, and that their relative values are ascertained through their exchange as simple commodities. The illusion that gold is bartered as a simple commodity for other commodities in the process of circulation is due to the fact that prices represent equations in which certain quantities of commodities are made equal to certain quantities of gold, i.e. that the commodities are made to relate to gold in its capacity of money, as a universal equivalent, and, therefore, appear to be directly exchangeable for it. Insofar as the price of a commodity is realized in gold, it is exchanged for gold as a commodity. As a particular embodiment of labor time, but insofar as it is the price that is realized in gold. The commodity is exchanged for gold in its capacity of money and not of a commodity, i.e. it is exchanged for gold as a universal embodiment of labor time. But in either case the quantity of gold for which the commodity is exchanged in the process of circulation is not determined by exchange, but the exchange is determined by the price of the commodity i.e. by its exchange value estimated in gold. Footnote. This, of course, does not prevent the market price of commodities to be above or below their value. However, this consideration is foreign to simple circulation and belongs to quite another sphere to be considered later, when we shall investigate the relation between value and market price. End of footnote. Within the process of circulation, gold appears in everybody's hands as the result of sale, C to M. But since C to M, sale, is at the same time M to C, purchase, it is apparent that while C, the commodity form which the process starts, is passing through its first metamorphosis, another commodity, which confronts it at the opposite pole, M, is completing its second metamorphosis, and is, therefore, passing through the second phase of circulation, while the first commodity is still in the first phase of its course. As a result of the first phase of circulation, the sale, we get money which is the starting point of the second phase. In place of the commodity in its first form appears its golden equivalent. This result may now form a resting point since the commodity in this second form possesses a lasting existence of its own. The commodity, a non-use value in the hands of its possessor, is now on hand in an always useful, since always exchangeable, form, and it depends upon circumstances when and at what point of the surface of the commodity world it will again enter circulation. Its formation into a gold chrysalis constitutes an independent period in its life which may last a greater or less length of time, while in the case of barter, the exchange of one particular use value is directly bound up with the exchange of another particular use value. The universal character of labor, which creates exchange value, is manifested in the separation and lack of coincidence of acts of purchase and sale. M to C, Purchase is the inverted movement of C to M, 
and at the same time, the second or final metamorphosis of the commodity, as gold, i.e., in the form of the universal equivalent, the commodity can be directly represented in the use values of all other commodities. The latter aspire to gold as their hereafter, but at the same time indicate in their prices the key in which it must sound in order that their bodies, their use values, may take the place of money, while their souls, their exchange values, may enter gold. The universal product of the alienation of commodities is the absolutely alienable commodity. There is no qualitative and only a quantitative limit to the transformation of gold into commodity, namely, the limit of its own quantity or magnitude of its value. Quote, everything is to be had for cash, end quote. Well, in the movement, C to M, the commodity through its alienation as a use value realizes its own price and the use value of somebody else's money. It realizes in the movement M to C, through its alienation as an exchange value, its own use value and the price of the other commodity. While through the realization of its price, the commodity transforms gold into actual money. It turns gold into its merely fleeting money form through its own retransformation. Since the circulation of commodities implies an extensive division of labor and consequently a diversity of wants on the part of individuals, a diversity which bears an inverse ratio to the specialization of their own products, the purchase M to C may appear as an equation with one commodity equivalent or split up into a series of commodity equivalents limited by the variety of the demands of the purchaser and by the amount of money in his possession. Just as a sale is a purchase, so is a purchase a sale. M to C is at the same time C to M, but the initiative belongs in this case to gold or the purchaser. Coming back now to C to M to C, or to circulation as a whole. It is apparent that it contains the combined series of metamorphoses through which a commodity passes, but at the same time as one commodity enters the first phase of its circulation and completes its first metamorphosis, another commodity enters the second phase of circulation, completes its second metamorphosis, and falls out of circulation. The first commodity enters at the same time the second phase of circulation, completes its second metamorphosis, and falls out of circulation, while a third commodity enters circulation, passes through the first phase of its course, completing the first metamorphosis. Thus the combined circulation C to M to C as a complete metamorphosis of a commodity always constitutes at the same time the end of the complete metamorphosis of another commodity and at the beginning of a complete metamorphosis of a third commodity, i.e. a series without beginning or end. Let us call C in either extreme C apostrophe and C double apostrophe respectively. In order to distinguish the commodities, the series reading thus C apostrophe to M to C double apostrophe. The first member, C apostrophe to M, presupposes in fact that M is the result of another transaction, C to M. It is thus itself merely the last member of a series, C to M to C apostrophe. While the second part, M to C double apostrophe, is merely a result of C double apostrophe to M, 
or appears as the first part of C double apostrophe to M to C triple apostrophe, or appears as the first part of C double apostrophe to M to C triple apostrophe, and so on. Furthermore, although M is the result of only one sale, it appears that the last part of M to C may be represented as M to C apostrophe plus M to C double apostrophe plus M to C triple apostrophe, etc. i.e. it may be split up into a number of purchases, and consequently a number of sales, or into a number of first members of new complete metamorphoses of commodities. Since the complete metamorphosis of a single commodity thus appears as a link, not only of one endless chain of metamorphoses, but of many such chains, the process of circulation in the world of commodities presents a hopeless confusion of intertwined movements, constantly ending and starting anew at a countless number of points. But every single sale or purchase stands as an independent isolated act, whose supplemental act may be separated from it in time and place, and therefore does not need to follow it directly as its continuation. Every separate process of circulation C to M or M to C as a transformation of one commodity into use value and of another into money, i.e. as the first and second phases of circulation respectively forms an independent halting point from either direction. But, on the other hand, all commodities commence their second metamorphosis in the common form of the universal equivalent, gold and stop at the starting point of the second phase of circulation. For that reason, any M to C dovetails in actual circulation with any C to M. The second chapter in the life course of one commodity with the first chapter of that of another commodity, A, for example, sells two pounds worth of iron, he thus completes the transaction C to M, or the first metamorphosis of the commodity iron, but postpones his purchase until some other time. At the same time, B, who sold two quarters of wheat for six pounds a fortnight since, buys with the same six pounds a coat and trousers of Moses and Son, thus completing M to C, or the second metamorphosis of the commodity, wheat. The two transactions, M to C and C to M, appear here merely as links of one chain, because a commodity expressed in gold looks like any other commodity, and one cannot tell by the looks of the gold whether it is transformed iron or transformed wheat. C to M to C appears, therefore, in the actual process of circulation as a jumble of countless accidentally coinciding or successively following members of different complete metamorphoses. The actual process of circulation thus appears not as a complete metamorphosis of a commodity, not as its movement through opposite phases, but as a mere agglomeration of many accidentally coinciding or successive purchases and sales. The process thus loses all clearness of outline, which is so much more the case since every single act of circulation, for example, sale, is at the same time its opposite, purchase and vice versa. On the other hand, the process of circulation is nothing but the movement of metamorphoses in the world of commodities and, therefore, must reflect them also in its movement as a whole. How that reflection takes place, we shall consider in the following chapter. 
It may be added here that in C to M to C, the two extreme Cs constitute two forms of commodities which do not bear the same relation to M. The first C relates to money as a commodity of a special class to a universal commodity, while money relates to the second C as a universal commodity to an individual commodity. C to M to C can, therefore, be reduced by abstract logic to the final form, S to U to I, in which S stands for species, forms the first extreme, U signifying universality, forms the connecting medium, and I, individuality, constitutes the last extreme. The owners of commodities entered the sphere of circulation simply as guardians of commodities. Within that sphere they confront each other in the opposite roles of buyer and seller, one as a personified sugar loaf, the other as personified gold. As soon as the sugar loaf is turned into gold, the seller becomes a buyer. These definite social functions are no outgrowths of human nature, but are the products of relations of exchange between men who produce their goods in the form of commodities. They are so far from being purely individual relations between buyer and seller that both enter this relation only to the extent that their individual labor is disregarded and is turned into money as labor of no individual. Just as it is, Therefore, childish to consider these economic bourgeois roles of buyer and seller as eternal social forms of human individuality, so it is, on the other hand, preposterous to lament in them the extinction of individuality. Footnote. How deeply some beautiful souls are wounded by the merely superficial aspect of the antagonism which asserts itself in buying and selling may be seen from the following abstract from Mr. Isaac Pereira's Lesson sur l'industrie et les finances, Paris, 1832. The fact that the same Isaac, in his capacity of inventor and dictator of the Crédit Mobilier, has acquired the reputation of the wolf of the Paris Bourse shows what lurks behind the sentimental criticism of economics. Says Mr. Perrier, at the time an apostle of St. Simon's, quote, since individuals are isolated and separated from one another, both in their labors and their consumption, exchange takes place between them in their products of their respective industries. From the necessity of exchange arises the necessity of determining the relative value of things. The ideas of value and exchange are thus intimately connected and both express in their actual form individualism and antagonism. The determination of values of products takes place only because there are sales and purchases, or to put it differently, because there is an antagonism between different members of society. One has to occupy himself with price and value only where there is sale and purchase, that is to say, where every individual is obliged to struggle to procure for himself the objects necessary for the maintenance of his existence, end, quote. end of footnote. They are the necessary manifestations of individuality at a certain stage of the social system of production. Moreover, in the opposition of buyer and seller, the antagonistic nature of capitalistic production is expressed as yet so superficially and as mere matter of form. That this opposition belongs also to pre-capitalistic forms of society, 
since it merely requires that the mutual relations of individuals should be those of owners of commodities. Now, if we consider the result of C to M to C, it comes down to mere interchange of matter, C to C. A commodity has been exchanged for a commodity, a use value for a use value, and the transformation of the commodity into money or the commodity in its form of money serves merely as a means of affecting this interchange of matter. Money thus appears as a medium of exchange of commodities, not as a medium of exchange in general, but as a means of exchange in the sphere of circulation, i.e. a medium of circulation. Footnote. A lashminement. Quote, Money is but the ways and means, while the things useful in life are the end and object. End quote. Bois-Guibault, Le Détail de la France, 1697, in Eugene Dare's Économiste Financier du XVIIIe siècle, Volume 1, Paris, 1843, page 210. End of footnote. We have seen that the process of circulation of commodities comes to a completion in C to C, appearing as mere barter carried on by means of money. Further that C to M to C represents in general not only two isolated processes, but their dynamic union as well. But to draw from that the conclusion that purchase and sale form an indivisible unit is a mode of thinking the criticism of which belongs to the domain of logic, and not to that of economics. The separation of purchase and sale in the process of exchange destroys all local, primitive, patriarchal, and naively genial barriers to interchange of matter in society. It is, moreover, the general form of the separation of the points of coincidence and opposition in this interchange, carrying within it the possibility of commercial crisis. Because the antagonism of commodity and money is the abstract and general form of all antagonisms with which the capitalistic system of labor is pregnant. Hence, circulation of money is possible without crisis. But, crisis can, but crises cannot occur without money circulation. In other words, where labor based on the system of private exchange has not reached the stage marked by the existence of money, it is less capable of producing those phenomena which presuppose the full development of the capitalistic mode of production. Bearing this in mind, we can appreciate the depth of the criticism which proposes to do away with the shortcomings of capitalistic production by abolishing the privilege enjoyed by the precious metals and introducing a so-called rational monetary system. As a sample of economic defense of an opposite character may serve the following piece of reasoning which has been proclaimed exceedingly keen. James Mill, the father of the well-known English economist John Stuart Mill, says, quote, Whatever be the amount of the annual produce, it never can exceed the amount of annual demand. Of two men who perform an exchange, the one does not come with only a supply, the other with only a demand. Each of them comes with both a demand and a supply. The supply which he brings is the instrument of his demand and his demand and supply are of course exactly equal to one another. It is therefore impossible that there should be in any country a commodity or commodities in quantity greater than their demand, without there being, to an equal amount, 
some other commodity or commodities in quantity less than the demand. End quote. Footnote. In November 1807, William Spence published a pamphlet in England under the title Britain Independence of Commerce. The principle set forth in this pamphlet was further elaborated by William Cobbett in his Political Register under the virulent title Parish Commerce. To this, James Mill replied in 1808 in his Defense of Commerce, which contains the passage quoted above from his Elements of Political Economy, page 190 to 193. In his controversy with Sismondi and Malthus on commercial crises, J.B. Say appropriated this clever device, and as it would be difficult to point out with what new idea this comical prince de la science had enriched political economy, his continental admirers have trumpeted him as the man who had unearthed the treasure of the metaphysical balance of purchases and sales. As a matter of fact, his merits consisted rather of the impartiality with which he equally misunderstood his contemporaries, Malthus, Sismondi, and Ricardo. End of footnote. Mill restores the balance by turning the process of circulation into direct barter, and then smuggling into direct barter the character of buyer and seller, borrowed by him from the process of circulation. To put it in his own confused language, during certain periods when all commodities were unsaleable, there are really more buyers than sellers of one commodity, money, and more sellers than buyers of all other money, commodities, such was, for example, the case at certain moments during the commercial crisis of 1857-58 to in London and Hamburg. The metaphysical balance of purchases and sales amounts to this, that every purchase is a sale and every sale is a purchase, which is a poor consolation to the guardian of the commodity who cannot bring about its sale and therefore cannot buy. Footnote. The manner in which economists explain the different aspects of the commodity may be seen from the following examples. Quote, With money in possession, we have but one exchange to make in order to secure the object of desire, while with other surplus products we have two, the first of which, procuring the money, is infinitely more difficult than the second. End quote. G. Opdyke, A Treatise on Political Economy, New York, 1851 page 277 to 278. Quote, the superior saleableness of money is the exact effect of natural consequence of the less saleable of commodities, end quote. T.H. Cobit, an inquiry into the causes and modes of the wealth of individuals, etc. London, 1841, page 117. Quote, money has the quality of being always exchangeable for what it measures, end quote. Bosanquet, Metallic, Paper, and Credit Currency, etc., London, 1842, page 100. Quote, money can always buy other commodities, whereas other commodities cannot always buy money. End quote. T. H. Took, An Inquiry into the Currency Principle. Second edition, London, 1844, page 10. End of footnote. The separation of sale and purchase makes possible a large number of fictitious transactions side by side with genuine trade before the final exchange between the producer and the consumer of commodities takes place. It enables a host of parasites to penetrate the process of production and exploit the separation. 
But this, again, means that with money as the universal form of labor under the capitalist system, there is the possibility of the development of its contradictions. End of chapter 2, part 2a. The Metamorphosis of Commodities. Recording by Traven Leroy, Ottawa, Canada.